0: Connecting, growing, and gaining opportunities together. Welcome to the Travel Hub Podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Travel Hub Podcast. I'm Michelle Bouchour, your host for today's show. I hope this podcast finds you and your family well and safe during this unprecedented health crisis we are all experiencing. Sharing information on resources and programs that are showing meaningful benefit to tribes and tribal casinos are one way that we here at Tribal Hub are striving to be a positive force and resource to the entire tribal community right now. If you or your tribe is looking for a service or program that may be useful as we work through this time of shutdowns and uncertainty, please reach out. Visit us on our website, our social pages, or even reach out to me. We have been sharing as much as we can and are here to help you get through this time. Until then, we hope that listening to our podcast will bring some sense of normalcy to your routine. In this episode, we're going to cover the digital divide that we see in Indian Country. Broadband is now almost a necessity for daily living. It's also an integral part of a community's development. We see this more right now than we ever have. To be connected, to have access to telemedicine, experts, weather announcements, and so much more is essential. Some days I wonder how we even survived before we were connected to everything. In January 2019, data from a five-year American Community Survey on household internet access was released. These new figures show that broadband access rates on American Indian reservations differ significantly compared to the general American population and are, on average, low compared to national norms. Their study showed that less than 55% of homes on reservations have broadband access, compared to the national average of 78%. Broadband access also varies geographically, with lower rates in the more rural areas and on smaller reservations. Studies are continually showing that Native tribes are the least connected, underconnected, and underserved group of people in the United States. One of the documented major obstacles in accessing broadband and tribal reservations is a lack of infrastructure and the funding to build it. Federal funding has been available more recently, but according to reports, between 2010 and 2017, less than one percent of federal funding that would help provide internet service has been awarded directly to tribes. A major roadblock is the tribe's lack of understanding of the grant process and the number of legal hoops that are required to apply for such funding. Today, we are welcoming Kat Blake and Crystal Hottaway to the podcast. Both of these women are working with a nonprofit organization called MuralNet, which is helping tribes build their own networks with the hopes of bringing the number of homes with access to broadband internet on tribal reservations up to national levels by providing various services to tribes, including assistance with spectrum acquisition, engineering plans, help with grant application waivers, and more specific to high-speed internet networks. MuralNet is a volunteer organization funded through private donations, corporate sponsorships, and in-kind support. Welcome, Kat and Crystal. Why don't we go through and just get a bit of background on both of you, along with your role with MuralNet.
1: I'm Kat Blake. I have been working on community broadband issues for about three years now. And most of my work has been in providing resources for local broadband projects and in advocating for policies at all levels of government that do support that connectivity work being done at the local level. I jumped in with the MuralNet team recently to work on a specific project that's had two phases. The first has been in joining Crystal in working with a tribe to apply for federal grant funding to expand the tribe's broadband network. And the second piece of that project has been to document the application process of applying for that funding through a blog and other materials in order to tell the story of what it's like to be a tribal entity applying for federal funding and also to come up with some ideas of how we can make this system work better.
0: What is your background?
1: I think I read somewhere that you have a background in journalism. Is that right? Not journalism specifically. I have had a couple of public relations internships, but my background is actually in working with municipalities across the U.S. on local broadband projects specifically. I have spent the past three years working with cities, towns, and counties on local broadband access and adoption initiatives.
0: Okay. And Crystal, how about you?
2: Well, thanks for having me on. Um, I'm Crystal Hodway and I'm a CAW tribal member. I've been working for my tribe as the grants writer for, gosh, um, a cumulative 11 years now. Uh, So the story of my journey begins with, as you might have guessed, a community need and a grant that could fulfill said need. I began to work in 2013 on a USDA Community Connect grant, and my team realized we were in way over our heads. There was just no way we would be able to get this grant complete. There were too many parts we weren't prepared, we need to do some foundation work. But the momentum that had picked up while we were writing the grant, it turned into a movement. And so the tribal council issued a directive to us that this work was to continue and they created a tech team which was done in partnership with the local school district. We had members from various departments, finance, IT, economic development, policy and funding. And so we ended up building our network uh, for government and educational access in 2014. The work is not done, not not by a long shot. There's a lot still to do, but there's also been other areas that the tech team has addressed in order to move towards our goal and objective of internet accessibility for all on our reservation. So as a result of that work, I've been appointed to a handful of policy action groups on national, state and regional levels. I currently hold a co-chair position at the Affiliated Tribes of Northwest Indians on the Telecommunications and Technology Committee. I'm the tribal representative to the Washington State Interoperability Executive Committee. I'm a member of the FCC's Native Nations Communications Task Force. This is my second term on that board. And I'm also the Affiliated Tribes of Northwest Indians representative for the FirstNet's tribal working group. So all these committees and boards are the results of prior work done in regards to communication policy and how it is applied to Indian Country. There were a lot of trailblazers that had done work before I came along and so I'm just here to continue the legacy of their work. My role with MuralNet started as uh, developing an app for tribes to use as a tool for grant applications. It since has turned into grant analysis and recommendations based on the application experience. And the best way to experience something is to go through it yourself. Uh, So Kat and I have been working together on the second round of the pilot project of ReConnect, a grant that's through the USDA Rural Utility Service.
0: That's just so wonderful, especially, you know, I was thinking before our call, just about the time that we're in right now. And can you imagine being somewhere somewhere? within your community and not being able to have access to information. And a lot of the tribes right now are in that position because of a lack of availability where their location is. So thought about that a lot today and even earlier this week with our current situation.
2: It is paramount to be able to get through all of this. The accessibility, the infrastructure that is lacking in Indian country, definitely. But I mean, in rural America, across the nation, how important this infrastructure as well as accessibility is to our society.
0: Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the goals and the purpose of MuralNet. Like how long has the group been around? How did it get started? And what are the main goals of it?
2: I first heard of MuralNet in April of 2019 at a conference in New Mexico. They had been in existence since February of 2017, and it was an all-volunteer group until March of 2018 when Mariel Triggs stepped up as the CEO. At that conference last year, she talked about how MuralNet was created. In another lifetime, there was a group that was teaching STEM. And to get the students engaged and excited, apps were developed. The apps worked. The grades improved. Interest skyrocketed. So from there, the question became, where can we replicate this? What other areas need this? And tribal schools caught their eye. She's like, yes, let's get them the apps. Except the internet infrastructure is horrible and the apps can't be used. So peeling a layer back at a time, it became painfully obvious that broadband and communications policy for Native American communities and tribal lands is unbalanced and advocacy was needed. What made me sit up and take notice of the work that MuralNet has done is that it's not just about policy advocacy. It's about empowerment of tribes to not only obtain spectrum, but to build and maintain their own networks as a tribal and a sovereign entity. They are about solutions and providing affordable solutions, helping tribes discover their ability to assert their sovereignty to develop infrastructure that will increase their capability to provide sound and secure services such as health care, education, and economic development by simplifying processes created by stacked layers of government policy and red tape is pretty powerful. And to do it in a nonprofit structure, that's a cause I can believe in.
0: Now, one of your biggest pushes right now is to bring awareness to a rural travel window that has a unique application process and opportunity right now. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Sure thing. We're talking here about the 2.5 gigahertz band, which is also known as the Educational Broadband Service Band or EBS. And in July of last year, the FCC made several changes to how licenses in this band are handled. One of those changes was that they eliminated some of those educational use requirements and restrictions on the types of entities that could hold licenses. A second piece of that was that the FCC created this rural tribal priority window, which basically creates an opportunity for tribes to be the first to apply for licenses in the spectrum band over their lands before other entities are given the opportunity to receive a license via competitive bidding. How are you getting
0: the word out there that you can help with them? And what have you been doing so far? Have you worked with any tribes yet? What kind of response have you been seeing?
1: MuralNet so far has helped build seven fully deployed networks, but there are many others that are waiting in the wings that are ready to build out once they have spectrum access. So MuralNet has been doing a lot of work to spread the word about this opportunity for tribes to gain access to spectrum and have that opportunity to build out their own networks. And part of the way they do that is also through a vast network of partners as well.
2: And the spectrum was already well understood to be a tremendous resource for building networks, and the tribal priority window had been loudly advocated as a mechanism for tribes to gain access to this highly competitive spectrum real estate.
0: Can you explain maybe a little bit about the window? So if we had a tribe who was Read about this and they thought, gosh, that would totally benefit our tribe. What process should they follow? What is the first thing they should do to even see if they might even be eligible to apply for this?
1: I would say the first step would be to check eligibility. There is information about that on the FCC's website under a specific page about the 2.5 gigahertz rural tribal priority window. And there are a few different components to eligibility. The first is that you must be a federally recognized tribe or Alaska native village or a consortia of such. Or you could also be an entity that is controlled and majority owned by eligible tribes, but you must be a recognized tribal entity. Additionally, you have to meet the FCC's definition of rural for this process. And for the purposes of this window, rural is defined as being an area that doesn't include an urbanized area with a population of more than 50,000. And this is based on Census Bureau data. And finally, there has to be available spectrum in this band in your geographic area. So for this opportunity, for EBS spectrum in particular, the band split into three different channels. And each of those channels could be available for a license through this window, as long as there's not someone already occupying that channel in the band. So there is a map on the FCC's website that shows where there are available channels, or you can also go to muralnet.org and they've created a much more simplified streamlined tool that can help you determine if there's available spectrum in your area.
0: We will definitely link to those in our show notes.
2: And it's also important to know that there's going to definitely be special case scenarios that tribes will have. For instance, all of Alaska is considered tribal land. Hawaii was left out, but it's been taken care of. There are tribes that have checkerboard land base where their land base is not completely connected. And there's tribes that have assets such as healthcare facilities, casinos, mini marks, and stores that are not located on tribal lands, but may qualify to be able to obtain that spectrum.
0: And now on the MuralNet website, when I was looking at it, there's actually a pretty simple form that you could go in and fill out and that would be able to tell tribe or at least give them a heads up of, yes, you could possibly be eligible, contact us or not. Is that correct?
1: Yes. So MuralNet does provide a couple different resources for interested tribes to help determine eligibility and also to help apply for the process as well. So part of what MuralNet has done is actually taken the FCC's application process and boiled that down and turned it into actually a Google form. So tribes can fill out their information on the MuralNet site, And MuralNet volunteers can help actually submit the application through the FCC on the tribe's behalf.
0: If a tribe applied for this opportunity, they received a license for a channel, what exactly would that mean and what would the
1: tribe receive? Or does it vary? That's a great question. So if a tribe does apply and receives a license, you have access to use that spectrum in the service area that you've defined in the application. And there are a couple of build-out requirements that come with that. So you're required to serve a certain amount of the population in your service area. But these are are relatively accessible build-out requirements, and most tribes should be able to meet those without too much difficulty. Mural Nets networks have actually been able to meet the build-out requirement for less than $20,000 of equipment costs.
2: The other thing, too, that's important to know is that there's also going to be an investment that tribes are going to be required to do. However, that investment is paid, whether it's through a grant, whether it's through tribal hard dollars, whether it's through gaming funds or oil funds or forestry funds, the tribe is going to have to be responsible to put in their own investment on this project. Funds that are going to be received from the FCC, what you receive from the FCC is the Spectrum License. But that alone is valuable because in past auctions, those have gone for millions, billions of dollars. So this is a really unique opportunity that is quite frankly unprecedented.
0: Do you know how many tribes have applied or are looking into this right now? Do you have any idea?
2: So the window opened on February 3rd, and it is scheduled to close on August 3rd. So there's a six-month window where tribes can put in their application or tribal schools can put in their application. I believe three weeks ago we were tracking it, and at that time I believe that there were two that had applied the day that it opened. However, we won't know exactly how many will have applied until August 3rd.
0: What have you guys been doing to try and help tribes to get this information? Have you been trying to push this out to let people know that MuralNet is there to help? If a tribe wants to look into this, wants the services, but doesn't know what to do, how have you been promoting that? And what has the response been?
2: There have been personnel that have had a presence at the different and various tribal conferences. From there, the networks have started to Mm -hmm. grow. Word has started to get out, and so what's been happening nationwide is that MuralNet has been doing state outreach events, and each state is different. It really depends on how the politics of the state are set up, whether state partners are brought in or not, whether there's other different federal partners that are able to come in, but really the focus of those outreach events have been tribal participation and showing them this is talking about what's 2.5, what does it mean, what can you do with it? Okay, now that you know what you can do with it, here's what other tribes have done. And showing case studies of how tribes have deployed their own 2.5 networks. And then, okay, so now you have that part. What are some legal ramifications you might end up having to come into? And talking about how you're able to address those legal questions and then okay now that we have that since there's build-out requirements and you need to reach a threshold um, by year three and by year five how are you going to build that how are you going to deploy that what engineering do you need that can go along with that and then how are you going to pay for it all? Because if I were a tribal leader and I had a staff member approach me and say, this is the network that we're thinking of building. This is how we're going to build it. I'd be like, okay, well, how are we going to pay for it? There's a full set of questions and it almost becomes a business case on how you would want to present it to your leadership in order to make those decisions and ensure that those decisions are informed based.
0: You know, it's one thing to just get the license, but then to go back and actually have a plan together of how you're going to actually put everything in place is a whole other gamut.
2: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Now, does the ReConnect funds, would that help at all? Is that a grant where tribes could maybe get funding to help with the infrastructure that they might need if they get a license?
1: Yes. The ReConnect program is a grant and loan or grant loan combination award. Out of the Department of Agriculture's Rural Utility Service, it makes those awards to eligible entities, which include tribes, in order to build broadband infrastructure. So that certainly could be a source of funds to help fund the build out of some of these networks. But it's not exactly an easy process, <laughs> which is the other work that that Crystal and I have been doing.
0: If a tribe wanted to look into the ReConnect funds grant, how would they do that?
1: There is information about the ReConnect program on the USDA's website. It's one of several different broadband infrastructure funding programs that a tribe could consider. And it's important to kind of look at these different programs and how they might best fit your community. There are several programs through both USDA and the FCC that are intended to fund broadband networks. The thing about ReConnect,
2: too, is that it's a pilot program. So you have Community Connect, which is to connect communities that have no Internet accessibility. ReConnect is for those communities who have Internet accessibility but don't meet the threshold that the FCC defines as broadband internet speed, which is 25 meg of download and three megabyte upload. There's a differentiation in there. And again, it's ReConnect is in its pilot program. They're in a round two. We've heard talk that there's going to be another round that has come out. I anticipate that they will do another round of ReConnect because Already, uh, USDA has invested over a billion dollars into this program, so there's a definite need there. There's programs that are going to be funded from it, and there's going to be a bigger need that has been identified. And I think the situation that we're in right now, this national emergency, it just further exemplifies how reliant we are on internet and internet infrastructure to operate in this society.
0: Yeah, it's become a necessity, no matter where you are in the world, really, to be connected, to have educational services, to check on your elders, telemedicine, you have to have it.
2: You know, I think we can all agree that the days of when high-speed internet was considered a luxury are long gone. It is a necessity, much like electricity, running water, and even some of these items are missing from homes in Indian country. You know, in order to start to level the playing field and begin to chip away at that digital divide, the spectrum and its allocation is vital. The possibilities of tribally-owned spectrum are quite literally endless. They will have the power to vastly improve their systems and take ownership. Ownership of them. Owning something changes how it's treated. When you own something, you take care of it. You maintain it. You look at how it can be improved and expanded. And tribal spectrum is a game changer for tribes on so many levels in so many areas.
1: So if you're interested in taking advantage of the tribal priority window, I would say first visit the FCC's website and gather that critical information about what the window is and eligibility. But I would also really encourage communities to reach out to MuralNet to take advantage of their free resources. MuralNet can help you determine your eligibility. They can help you apply for the priority window, and they can also point you towards resources to help plan your actual network build out as well. So you can have a successful project. Let's go back
0: to the ReConnect project. And Kat, you recently started a blog to document your process of applying for this. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Something that Marielle Triggs, the CEO of MuralNet, I've heard her say that's really stuck with me is that a lot of the issue of broadband inequity in the US is not necessarily a technical issue, but it's really more of a policy problem. I think That's actually really exciting because we have more opportunity to change that. And I think it means if we can adjust our policies to distribute opportunity, we can really make a big impact. I mentioned before that Crystal and I have been working with a tribe to help apply for funding through USDA's ReConnect program. And in addition to working on the application itself, we started a blog to actually document in real time what... The process of applying for federal infrastructure funding as a tribal entity is like, because often uh, federal funds in terms of broadband infrastructure aren't distributed to tribes in a way that we would hope to see. Tribes aren't receiving the funding in a consistent way that they really need to build out a central broadband infrastructure. So I think we've come to an agreement for the most part that a lot of funding programs don't work super well for tribes, but we haven't really hammered out why that is. So we wanted to start this blog to really explore what the roadblocks to the funding application process are. We've been telling that story as we go about things like what questions are asked on these applications and how, and even the ways in which the applications are structured that can really complicate this process specifically for tribes. So our goal is to take the blog and really come up with a set of action items to hopefully make some of these funding programs more accessible to tribes so that we can make this an opportunity that's available to everyone.
0: Tell me a little bit then about where you're at with it. How far along are you in the blog? Are you following specific tribes then?
1: Yeah, absolutely. How this has been working is that Crystal and I are two women of a three-woman team that are all working together on a specific ReConnect application for a tribe. So we're all really in the weeds of the application process itself because we're going through it right now as applicants and then the blog is serving the purpose to just talk about what that experience has been like as we've spent the past you know 6 weeks working on a reconnect application just talking really openly about what the barriers have been, what the stumbling blocks have been, that has made this process particularly complicated for a tribal entity to apply for funding. Hopefully we can break down some of those barriers and make sure that these funding programs are more accessible to tribes in the future.
0: That's so great, because just so many times tribes, like even with my work, when I used to work for a tribe, we depended on grant funds so much, and a lot of times you don't have the money, if you're working within a small tribe, to have you know, a grant writer or somebody who's knowledgeable about applying for grants, and it's such a cumbersome process. So to have something like that in place to help and document the troubles, the stumbling blocks, it'll be interesting to, to see and to follow that for sure.
1: I totally agree. I think the reality is that many of these funding application processes are extremely cumbersome and they take a lot of time and a lot of resources. So oftentimes it is the communities that are most in need of some support that are really the least able to pull together the resources to apply for, you know, something that that really is an an incredibly in-depth process. I mean, we've put hundreds of hours into this application and that's not always possible for every community and often is especially not possible for the communities that could really benefit from the grant.
0: I appreciate your time so much. Thank you, thank you. And I cannot wait to share this information with everybody.
1: Thank you so much for reaching out and for getting us use your platform to talk about some of this stuff. You can learn more about
0: MuralNet at their website, MuralNet.org. If you have a topic for our show or would have a story to share, please contact me at tribalhub.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts to never miss an episode. Connect with us here by searching Tribal Hub on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, or visit our webpage at tribalhub.com. We'll see you guys soon.